Running your own business is stressful. Nah, it doesn't have to be that way. Welcome to Her Holy Hustle Podcast, where we teach you to hustle with God so your business is run with His abilities and wisdom, not your own. I'm your host, Nyla Weave. I know what it's like to start a business and feel like a chicken with no head running around that farmyard. So stressed with marathon-long to-do lists and all the contradicting opinions of business gurus of what is best to do. But I also know what it's like to start seeing God as my business partner. What a difference doing business His way makes on both my sanity and success. I'm on a mission to redefine the word hustle. As Christians in business, we don't have to toil as the world does for success, but can hustle with God. A kind of hustle that is productive and peaceful. Where our businesses don't run us, we run them. Where we can clearly hear God's voice for business decisions. With Jesus as your CEO, you can do business full of spirit-led strategy that's effective and enjoyable. Stick around and you can expect solo episodes by me, but also some amazing interviews with other Christian entrepreneurs and how they include God into their business. Hear about things they learned the hard way, things they wish they would have been doing from day one, and their practical advice for you to keep him first, even in crazy busy seasons of life and business. Ready to learn and be encouraged? Let's dive in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Her Holy Hustle podcast. I am so pumped for this topic today. We're going to be talking about pitching yourself for collaborations. And this is a topic that I don't know a ton about. I've done a few collaborations, but not a ton, but I have an expert on and she is going to talk to us about that. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Erica. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be so exciting. Um, First of all, we start with some icebreaker questions. So just to kind of I don't know, just to get to know you more and they're fun questions. So what is the best thing you recently ate? Oh, easy. They're called Pamela's Brownies. Mm. So Pamela actually is a blog reader of mine and she started an Etsy shop doing like making her famous deep dish brownies. And they are, I kid you not, the best brownies that I've ever had on the face of planet earth. And I just got my last order in last night. So I put them in the freezer first and that's like pro tip, the way to eat them. I eat them right out of the freezer and they have tart dried cherries in them is how I, that's how I, you can order them with like all sorts of stuff in them, but that's how I get them. And they are phenomenal. So my husband and I always, every single night, almost we share one of Pamela's brownies. It's so good. I love chocolate. Like vanilla is okay. And I like vanilla every once in a while, but chocolate, I'm team chocolate all the way. So Oh yeah. And if you like good brownies, like, Ooh, these hit the spot. So I love them. And when you're talking about like the cherries in there with the chocolate, it made me think of your oatmeal recipe that you shared with me. Yeah. I love that. It it literally tastes like a chocolate cherry cheesecake kind of deal. I think that's what it's called maybe. And I use almond milk. So it makes it like so Mm -hmm. creamy and like, Oh, it's good. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I forgot. I kind of have a thing for like chocolate and cherries together. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of jam do you use for that? Um, for that um, I mix it up. So sometimes it's like a strawberry preserve. I think right now I have cherry preserve. So ironically cherries, <laughs> um, but I always just do something that's like a preserve where there's some sort of chunkier fruit in it mm. just because I like that. So mm-hmm. that's how I try to, that's what I try to stick to. Mm-hmm. I have raspberry and it's been going good with raspberry, but all those other ones for sure. are good. So, yeah. yeah. So anyways, that is, I, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that recipe because it's changed my life. I get excited when I'm like, 
ooh, I prepped that last night. I get to eat it this morning. So thanks for sharing that. Of course. Um, so another uh, icebreaker is what's your favorite form of self-care right now? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, honestly, I think of crashing on the couch at the end of the night with my husband to watch a television show mm-hmm. is like such fun self-care because I could just veg out and not think about anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think anything that just slows down my brain is like ideal. And I love being able to feel like I'm escaping into another world. So I think that I would have to say that just like trying to find new thriller shows or thriller movies to kind of Mm. like escape mentally escape into has been clutch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think TV sometimes gets a bad rap, but I really enjoy going on Netflix and watching like we like baking shows. And like, I think self-care can be TV. And like you said, it's kind of a just it's like your brain gets to turn off and rest. And so TV is okay. And I think people are sometimes like, we should never watch any TV and it's okay. And it can be part of a healthy lifestyle. So I love that you said TV. Yeah. I'm like, preach, <laughs> TV can be self-care. <laughs> so love that. Um, last question is what podcasts or podcasts are you loving lately yourself? Ooh, my, one of my favorites is from my friend, Rachel. Maybe you have heard of it. It's called Behind the Bliss Podcast. No, I haven't heard of it. If you have not heard of it, you will love it. Um, it's a Christian podcast and it is just so inspiring. And Rachel holds conversations so well. She has awesome guests. She makes things very practical and has a lot of good takeaways from things. Um, but really just breaks down godly topics in a conversational, easy to understand and easy to, easy to apply to your own life kind of way, which I love. Um, and I very rarely miss an episode. So I would say behind the bliss. Was she on your podcast? Did yes, you have she was. Maybe I was on hers and she was on mine. She was on mine twice. So maybe you've caught her on mine, but she's, she's just awesome. I love her so much. Cool. I'll have to check that out. Do you have a favorite episode of hers that you would get people to start at? <sighs> oh gosh. Um, no, because I feel like they're all such good nuggets. Like, <laughs> I mean, she's had some pretty hope, like high profile guests. So you can always like scroll through and a name will pop out that you'll recognize that might be a favorite author or a favorite um, musical artist. Um, so yeah, I, I know I've had some recently where I was like, Ooh, so good, but I couldn't tell you, I couldn't tell you the exact name of it off the top of my head. So I would say just go on her list and scroll and be inspired. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll have to check that out. I love getting all these um, new podcasts because yeah, everyone that someone's recommended, I don't think I've heard of it. So yeah, love the recommendations. Yeah. So I'll have to check that out. I would love if you just started sharing with my audience, who are you and what are you passionate about sharing with the world? Sure. Well, I'm Erica. Um, I'm a blogger. My blog is called Coming Up Roses. It's cominguproses.theblog.com. Um, I'm a podcaster. My podcast is called Thrive. And I'm a teacher, so I have a course for fellow content creators who are looking to monetize their influence, and that's called Boss Pitch. Um, What else do I do? I'm an author, so I wrote a book called Caffeinate Your Soul, 52 Monday Mantras, and that is really a year's worth of what I like to call sip-sized encouragement to make your Mondays more manageable and more meaningful. Um, So that is on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, walmart.com, all that good stuff. Um, and I'm a mom. I have the funniest, spunkiest two and a half year old daughter who was a miracle baby. Cause she was in the NICU for 73 days and was born two months early. Oh, so wow. yeah, uh, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. <laughs>
That's a lot. A lot of different hats that you wear. That's for sure. But I think overall, one of my biggest passions would be really just helping women go from a life of simply surviving to thriving, whether Mm -hmm. that's through my blog, through my podcast, through my book, through my course, that's kind of like an under an underarching theme for everything I would say is kind of just helping you uh, view things in a more positive lens while still keeping it real and really just up leveling your life in a realistic and achievable way to kind of help you hit that next level for yourself, no matter what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, was, I guess this isn't on my outline, but was there a time in your life when life you were just surviving and you weren't thriving? Yeah. Uh, that actually, that period of time kind of was the impetus for the creation of my podcast. So it was, I would say the first year of my daughter's life, which granted she had a traumatic birth and I almost died. She almost died. She was in the hospital for a long time. It was a really rough time. But it was more so, I would say, in the period after that, when she was home from the hospital, when life was supposed to be kind of hunky-dory, newborn bliss. And I think I struggled with maybe some postpartum depression um, because it just, I just felt like I was just surviving. Like I was just kind of barely getting by. And granted, I think especially as the parent of a newborn, there is definitely a period where you have to give yourself grace because there is just a survival period, a time where you're just barely surviving, like very little sleep. It's super hard. You're transitioning into a new life role. Give yourself the grace. Like it's okay to just be surviving there. But I think I hit a point where I realized that I was almost holding myself back from potentially thriving where I was not comfortable, but I would say familiar with this survival mode and almost like unintentionally self-sabotaging mm-hmm. from letting myself elevate in certain areas of my life. And I think I was mentally blaming, oh, it's my kid's fault or it's my, it's, it's this newborn life fault when really it was my own fault because I was choosing to not make certain choices that could have helped me or could have helped me feel better about myself or just feel better in really every sense. So um, once I realized that I was kind of, to blame for some of my own struggle, not intentionally, but I think again, unintentionally self-sabotaging, that's kind of when I realized, you know what, uh, there's not some magical thing that's going to come down from the sky and hit me on the head and take me from surviving to thriving. A lot of that is the choice yourself. And it's not something where it's this like toxically positive, snap your fingers and just think it's better and it will be better. But there is a lot of choice involved, I think, in just what you do have control over in your everyday life. And that could be as simple as, you know, what you talk about a lot in terms of the choices of what you might put into your body or how you might move your body that day. Or it might be the choice of who you're speaking to and who you're allowing into your personal space, what you're consuming in terms of the media that you're looking at or reading or watching. Like there are so many, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of choices that we make every day. So you do have some say so over what that is and what that looks like and how it impacts you. And I think for me, it was really like admitting that coming to terms with that and taking ownership of what I could taking back control over what I could and being like, you know what, it's time for me to thrive again. And it's time for me to not just simply survive. I deserve to thrive. I can thrive. So that's what it's time to do. Mm -hmm. It, It makes me think of that phrase, like control the controllables. 
Yes. And that's kind of like you were, you got to a place where like, I don't want to live like this anymore. And we have to come to that place before we make a change. No one can make us get to that place. And you're like, I don't want to live like this. I'm like ready for change. And um, then I love that. That's such a powerful testimony. So um, yeah, I love that. Uh, Are you into the Enneagram at all? Yes, I am. What Enneagram type are you or number are you? (laughs) Okay. Now I want to know what's your guess. (laughs) Cause I feel like you probably have a guess. Are you a three? I'm a three. Yeah. Are you a three? <laughs> okay. Yep. I'm a three wing two. Okay. I'm a three wing four. So okay. <laughs> a three, three, us threes can recognize a fellow three. So yep. <laughs> like this kind of sounds like a three when, when you're telling your story, it kind of sounded like a three and not so healthy of a headspace. And I'm like, I've been in that headspace. So yeah. Cool. Just, yeah. I love to talk about the Enneagram sometimes on here. And so it's cool to know. I, a lot of entrepreneurs are threes. I find it's not exclusive to threes, but there definitely are a lot of threes sure. I have been finding. So cool. Um, so yeah, we're talking about the topic of pitching yourselves for collabs. Um, did you find this hard to do at first when you became like an entrepreneur? Um, there were definitely growing pains for sure. So I think for me to give some backstory, um, in the, uh, I could give like a quick recap for anybody who's listening. Who's like, first of all, I have no idea what this means. So basically since I said my course boss bitch teaches people how to monetize their influence through brand partnerships, a lot of that for me was based on the fact that in my own business, that was a huge turning point in what allowed me to become a full-time entrepreneur and a full-time influencer, as they say, a full-time content creator. Uh, for a long time before that I was relying predominantly on what are called like blogging networks. So basically they're like third-party platforms that act as a middleman for brand campaigns. Um, you basically see applications online for different sorts of marketing campaigns that are happening and you can pick and choose what you apply to. It's pretty impersonal and pay is, So usually much, much lower than what you could be making because of the fact this platform or this middleman gets a cut. Mm -hmm. So brands are hiring the middleman to, to source influencers and creators for these campaigns. And therefore those platforms are also getting a paycheck, which comes out of yours. Mm -hmm. So I basically found myself in this position where I was booking brand campaigns and I was blogging for maybe two, three years at that point. So I was booking campaigns. I was getting paid. I was getting maybe a couple hundred bucks for every collaboration, but I reached a point where I was like, dang, I'm really overworked right now. And I have a full calendar and I'm working my butt off, but why doesn't my paycheck reflect that? (laughs) Like I, I was like, wait, there's something's not aligning here because I feel really overworked and underpaid. And I, people must see value in me as a creator because I keep getting hired but like, I'm not making enough to make ends meet here or like pay the rent or all, and there's expenses that come with running an online platform and all of that. So I basically thought to myself, all right, uh, what happens if I eliminate this middleman? Because I know that they're getting some of the money here. And hypothetically, if we eliminate them and I just have to work directly with the brand, that money should be coming to me, right? Like that should be adding on to my paycheck instead of going to the middleman. So I started pitching brands myself and it was, I think a very slow and steady process at first because I sucked at it starting out as I think a lot of people do, because especially, especially then this was back in, um, the course came out in 2016. So probably like 2015 ish or 2014, I was kind of dabbling in this and it was probably so bad at first because there were no resources online as to what to say. Like 
I was like, what do I say? Hi, Target. I love you. Like there's <laughs> like, there's wasn't really a guidebook to, okay, how do you talk to a brand? How do you tell them who you are and what you do and why they should pay you money to talk about them? Like there were, there were so many different variables at play, but I think eventually I figured it out. <laughs> And in 2016, I launched my course to basically help other creators do the same. Because once I figured it out, it was like a light bulb moment for me where I started booking deals and actually was able to turn my blog into my full-time business with a full-time income. So it was like an absolute game changer for me because it was what allowed me to start creating the life that I wanted and live the life that I love because I had full control and autonomy over my career and its trajectories. So, um, yeah, was definitely some growing pains at first. I'm sure some really, like if I dig back in the email archives, ooh, probably painful, but I went through the growing pains, hopefully so that other people don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I hope that's why I just love now that my course has helped hundreds of people like eliminate the awkward phase that I had. Um, and hopefully pass go much quicker, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you had to learn through trial and error and it took a long, that's that's okay to learn that way, but it does take a longer time. So I For love sure. that you've created a course with all of this, um, just this is what I learned and now I'm gonna teach you. So I love it, that course sounds amazing. They, can they uh, just get that like through the link in your bio? Would that direct them to get that course if people were wanting? Um, yes, I'm pretty sure Boss Pitch is linked in my bio, but it's also, if you are on the homepage of my blog, there's a little tab on the menu that says okay. Boss Pitch. And I'm sure if somebody Googles Boss Pitch course, it will it would pop up. So there's yes. a couple of, couple of different avenues. <laughs> cool, because it sounds like a really, um, really awesome course. Um, did you learn some lessons from some of those early like brand pitches? And is there anything that you would maybe, I guess that you could share that you would do differently? If like, maybe like one thing you're like, if I could go back, I would do that differently if you're willing to share. Yeah. I actually think I can do you one better and I can share mistakes that I see people make today oh, sure. still sure. because um, the mistakes that I made back then, I'm sure are probably like elementary because I couldn't, I was like so long ago. I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know what I said, but there's some, I think more subtle mistakes that people that I still see students make all the time that I'm like, when I'm reviewing people's pitches where I'm like, okay, this is a consistent thing that people, um, make a mistake in doing. And they're like things that you might not think of right away. So I always like to tell people once you have finished writing an email, go back and reread it to see how many sentences start with the word I. Hmm. Because so often I'll see people and it's like, it's, it's totally not an intentional thing, but just naturally how people write an email. I might be like, hi, I'm so-and-so I do this. I talk about this. I would like to work with your brand for this. I, this, I, this, I, this. And I like to remind people like for someone that works for a brand, you really want to be leading with what you can provide for them. And if you're starting every sentence with I, it might subconsciously come across like it's just all about you. Mm. And even if that's not actually the message that you wrote, even if it's not what you're trying to convey, it might be how it is subconsciously and like psychologically interpreted. 
And it might just set someone off in kind of a bad or kind of like more of a standoffish mood where they're just kind of like, huh? Like, who do you think you are? It's not all about you. What can you bring me? Mm-hmm. So I think it's important. Like once you finish writing an email, reread it just to see where, if possible, you can just even just simply shift your sentence structure so that not everything starts with the letter I, because right off the bat, they're going to be looking at that going, she wants something. She wants money. She, what like, and it's just going to have not the right dynamic in a relationship starting off. Um, So I think that right off the bat is something that people make the mistake on all the time. Um, Gosh, let me think what else. Um, Addressing people by name. Goodness gracious. That if you find the right contact information for someone before you hit send on an email, because if you're just saying hi team, hi name brand, whatever, Honestly, it's lazy because in today's day and age, there are so many tools out there to help you identify somebody's actual name and who actually is the person and the human being behind the computer screen. So I think go the extra mile and find that um, so that you can actually address people by name. Um, and what else? Let me think of one more so I can give you three because that feels like a solid, that feels yeah. like a solid number. <laughs> um Let's see. Oh, don't give everybody everything but the kitchen sink all at once. Like there's, I think a good thing in today's day and age is there's so much information out there on Google and a bad thing about today's day and age is there is so much information out there on Google. So you can learn a lot by Googling. And I know there's a lot of people who don't feel like they need a course or a system or whatever, because of what all is out there on Google. But let me tell you, there's a lot of noise out there on Google and there are, there's a lot of different and conflicting information about what all should be included in your first pitch email to a brand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you don't need to give them as much information really as sometimes people might say you do. So there are, are people that will say, okay, tell them who you are, what you do, who your audience is, what your idea is, how much money you get paid, what the project should be, send them your media kit, send them like 50 billion things. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you're on a first date with someone, would you tell them like your entire life story on your first date? Like, no, (laughs) otherwise it would be overwhelming and it might scare them and it might not get you a second date. It might get you like, it might just rub people the wrong way. So instead of giving them everything but the kitchen sink, get them the important stuff and just enough where they want to learn more and where they feel like connect the dots for them, where they see that your audience is in alignment with their target audience because that's important from a marketing standpoint and make sure that there's just that initial interest of like, all right, here's who I am and what I create. Here's who my audience is. Here's how it aligns with who you're trying to reach. Would you be interested in this partnership together? Um, You don't need to send them like 32,000 things and your entire resume on that first email because it could do more harm than good. So Mm -hmm. those are my, those are my three quick tips off the top of my head. (laughs) Those are so good. And I love how they're just, yeah, so practical. I love that. And I love the date analogy and um, yeah, um, like in the movies when someone is on a first date and they, there sometimes is that character who just like tells all their, their, their life story and more. And it's like, Ooh, you're just like cringing. You're like, Ooh. So I love that. And when you're reading an article, I know like a news article, it's like, okay, that's way too long. I'm not reading it. And so um, short and sweet, um, there's power in short and sweet kind of. So I love that. That's so good. Um, You talk about politely 
persisting your dream brand partnerships. What does that mean to you? Like, what is that? Yeah. Talk, talk about that. Yeah. Politely persist, persisting. Politely persisting. Yes. So I'm a big fan of following up with people hmm. um, because I have seen this happen so many times. I've seen it happen myself to other students in general. Um, people are afraid to follow up because we're all really afraid of being annoying Mm. or feeling like we are a bother to somebody. Um, so oftentimes I'll see people hit, hit a pit, hit send on a pitch to a brand and then that be it. And then it just goes into cyberspace and they don't know if it was opened. They don't know if it was read. The person that might not respond and they don't necessarily know why, but they don't bother sending another email and they don't follow up at all. Um, or people might follow up one time. And if they don't hear back again, they're like, oh, they must not be interested. It must be me. It must be whatever. They fill in the blank on what story they think must be the case. And then they just don't get to work with that brand. So a large part of what I like to tell people and what I teach in Boss Pitch is how to persist in a polite way that is not annoying, that does not feel gross for you or the brand, but that gets you a response and hopefully a yes, because you really don't know why someone is not responding to you. Like there are different mail trackers out there that people can, you can install to see if someone is opening your email, which I think is super important because in today's day and age, you don't know necessarily if someone is even opening it. It could get lost in a spam box. It could get lost in a sea of hundreds of other pitch emails. You just don't know. So first and foremost, you need to know that someone's actually opening it because if they're not even opening it and you just never follow up, they don't, they literally have no idea who you are. You're definitely not annoying them. Um, or if you see someone is opening your emails and it's just not responding, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're annoying them or that they're not interested in working with you. There's, I think of myself, how many times I'm in the car and I'm sitting in drive-through pickup for my daughter's preschool. And I open an email on my phone and I'm like, I can't respond to some thought out work email. Now I'm about to pick up my daughter. Like, so I mark it on red and I save it for later. And then I'm saving, I might be answering it hours later, maybe a couple days later it on my desktop in my office. So I think a lot of people do that where we might open things on the fly. You see something on your phone, on your Apple watch, and you're not like in the headspace or having the time to mm-hmm. really flesh out a good detailed response. So you might see something be opened and you haven't gotten a response yet. Again, doesn't mean that they're not interested. Doesn't mean that it's a no, doesn't mean that they don't want to work with you. So I think it's really important to know how to correctly respond, like follow up with someone so that you're bumping something in their inbox. You're not being annoying. And you're really just stressing the, the value in the potential relationship there and trying to gauge if there is mutual interest there in a collaboration, because so many times people just miss out on potential relationships and potential paychecks by just hitting send on something. And then just like letting it go into the universe and expecting magic to happen. And that's just not how it works. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I think of just yesterday, a friend had messaged me this thing, um, sharing a thing on Instagram with me in my DMs. And I forgot, like I opened it, but I didn't have time to respond to it or read it. And then it was like, late in the evening, I was like, Oh, no, I forgot to respond to her. Like, and so then I did because I had time, but like, sometimes I forget for two days. And so kind of just inserting yourself like, sometimes that happens to me and my headspace isn't like, I hate this person there. Why are they messaging me? So just kind of put your insert yourself in the shoes of the person getting sent things. And um, yeah, people, I don't know, maybe it's a three thing. I don't know, but I'm always like 
not always, I'm really working on this, but I sometimes do stories of like, oh, they think I'm a failure. I wasn't, I don't have as much, like as enough, enough success or a big enough following or something. We like belittle ourselves in our minds mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily what other people are doing. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's especially hard um, in the content creator space with how saturated it is. Mm. Um, and when you're pitching, if, if you're pitching a household name brand like that, that could be really scary because you're like, there are so many negative thoughts that could peep up into your head or so much doubt. And it's such a mindset game because you can easily think, oh gosh, like who am I to get this brand deal? Or who am I? Like, why would this brand want to work with me? Like, I just, I'm just whatever. And we talk ourselves out of it before we've even heard back from the brand if they're interested or not. So (laughs) I think that that's really important and an important mindset shift because um, it'll affect not only what you write and what you say to the brand, but how you're thinking about it yourself too. Um, because if you're thinking of yourself as this like lowly person, that's just like, maybe take a chance on me. Okay. Well then your fault, your emails are probably going to sound, um, maybe a little whiny, maybe a Mm. little, you're probably going to talk down on yourself without even trying in the email. You're going to use the word just, which I hate when women use the word just because it's like apologizing for, taking up space and being who you are. You're like, I'm just writing to you. Like, no, you're writing to someone for mm-hmm. a reason. Like, you don't, you're not just doing anything. You're doing it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's, <laughs> now I'm going to get all hyped up and worked up about it. But I think that's such a big part of it is it's like, we have poor mindsets about ourselves or our worth. And then we are reaching out to brands being like, Hey, want to work with me? But like, we don't even believe in ourselves enough. Mm-hmm. So then we are not following up and we're not saying, Hey, this is a worthwhile thing. Like, and then we just give up. Mm So yeah. Yeah. And like, if we can't confidently uh, promote ourselves, they're going to be like, well, why you probably won't confidently promote our product then. Yeah. So yeah, that's so good. Um, Oh, I had a question. Uh, It was not on my outline and, oh, I guess for someone who has never done a paid partnership, where would you tell them to begin? Like your first, like your number one tip, like start here. If they, they're like, this is new to me. I've never pursued it. Like what, what's my step one? Great question. I would say, um, something like blog networks can still be a good helpful starting point to do your first paid collaboration simply because your hand is held through the entire thing. You see very much up front, you see what a campaign looks like, what the deliverables are. You have an account manager who's kind of your, your in-between for making sure everything gets done. It's kind of just your hand will be held through the process of creating sponsored content. So I think that that's a helpful starting off point just so that you have something so that, cause you're obviously not going to be worried about making the big bucks right off the bat. You're really wanting to make sure that you know how to create sponsored content in a very, Um, not just mutually beneficial way for you and the brand, but if there's a way to be like triple beneficial, (laughs) because you want to be able to create sponsored content that also still resonates with your audience where it doesn't feel like a straight up ad. And it's still written in a way that feels very authentic to you and is very authentic to you and is still just as helpful as your not sponsored content. So I think it's, it's a good way to kind of wet your whistle and get your feet wet, creating content that is good for the brand and checks off all the boxes for what they're looking for and gets you paid at the end of the day. Good Mm -hmm. for you in that you're comfortable and confident doing it, but also still good for your audience in getting to know, like helping them react to, okay, this is an ad, but it doesn't mean that it's fake. It doesn't mean that I'm a sellout. It doesn't mean that I'm just regurgitating whatever information some brand told me to say. Like it's kind of 
kind of just helps you do all of that. So Mm -hmm. I would say that's probably a good starting off point. And I, of course, believe in my course, but (laughs) for something that's like a totally free way to just sign up, sign up for one of those networks and start applying for things and just kind of, just kind of see. So if you just Googled blog network, blog networking, there should be like some tutorials of how to like get in that probably blog networks, some have different types of qualifications. So if you Google it now, I'm sure there's literally, I think 300 out there mm-hmm. <laughs> nowadays. So, um, there's gosh, let me think of some names of some off the top of my head. There's like Isia, um, the clever girls network, pollinate media network, um, Linkia. Like there's so many different, there's literally just so many influence central. Like there's, if you Google it, it'll pop up. Um, so many will pop okay. up. So there's, there's, you just kind of have to see what the different qualifications to join are. Some might have qualifications based on how many Instagram followers you have. Some might be how many page views your blog is getting. Um, some might not have qualifications. It might just be apply and we'll see, we'll manually vet you ourselves. And once you are, um, accepted, then normally there would be kind of like a, you'll set up your own profile. And then there would probably be like a dashboard where different campaign opportunities would be. And if it's something that, um, is a fit to you based on what your profile, usually they kind of Hmm. pre put them on your dashboard. If, if it already aligns with something on your profile on the demographics that you set up. So it might say, okay, like uh, we know you have a dog. Here's this campaign for this dog food brand. Here's, here's the timeline. Here's the requirements. Here's the compensation, all of that apply if you're interested. And it's that sort of, it's that sort of thing. Okay. It, it literally sounds like, like dating, like a e-harmony, but like for, for paid uh, sponsorship, like I've never, uh-huh. okay. So interesting. Um, are <laughs> like you and I are Christians. Are there Christian specific ones too? Is that something you've come across? Ooh, good question. That is not something that I've come across, mm, but that okay. should be a thing. Um, yeah, I have not come across that specifically. Actually, in all eight years of me doing this, I've never seen one that's like hmm. faith specific. Um, so that's interesting. I could Google and just see. <laughs> yeah, Google if there's there there might be, but that would be cool. Let me um, know if you find one. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, speaking about like Christianity, um, do you, like you said that sometimes in the pitches you'll put like your idea for how much you want to be like compensated for. Um, you were saying like in one of the emails back and forth to me that sometimes it's hard for Christian women to like put a dollar worth um, on their collabs and how sometimes we can like get confused with like tying our identity or our worth to that worth like dollar amount, even though our worth and identity are found in Christ. Like, can you speak to that kind of concept a little? Yeah, I think it's more so just something that's super challenging for women like us because like you said, our worth is in Christ, but then when you are in this space where you don't have a set paycheck, and this doesn't just apply to content creators. I honestly think this applies to like any Christian entrepreneurs that don't, that set our own rates and have our, don't have a regular paycheck every two weeks from a boss who has predetermined our salary or something like that. Like, I think that this is applicable to a wide variety of us because if you're in a space where you're in charge of how much you get paid at the end of the day, and then you have to essentially sell yourself over and over again to people to get that paycheck, it can be really frustrating and really confusing and really hard if you're in a dry season, I think, because you could just start to question, okay, am I not worth what my rates are? Or if you hear no, a lot of times it can be really frustrating and cause you to question things where you're like, wait, Am I, are my rates too high? Am I not mm. worth? 
and not worth X, Y, Z. And I think it's just something that we have to be very mindful of and very intentional about because gosh, there's been so many times where I'm just like, I'll get frustrated and I'm talking to my husband and I'm like, oh man, like, why don't, why aren't I worth anything? He's like, "Mm, that's not a true statement, Erica. Like, you know, where you just have to catch yourself because it can, if you're hearing no from people too, it's easy to be like, man, I'm not worth $500. I'm not worth a thousand dollars. I'm not worth what's worth whatever. And you forget that like, actually you were worth the cross. Like that's so actually totally, it's totally different. Like, Hmm. and you just have to, so that's why I think it's just something that it's really, it could be really challenging when you're setting your own rates and you're having to be like, okay, you are having to put a dollar sign on yourself because that's the nature of selling goods or services as an entrepreneur. And that's how you run an entrepreneurial business. Like you have to have rates for something. Um, so it's just something that you just, I think have to be really mindful of and always remind yourself that like your worth is on the cross, not in whatever some random person on the internet thinks that you're worth or not worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our worth was settled at the cross. Like someone thought we were worth dying for. Like, that's so, I love that you bring it to that. And also it's just an opinion. I love the quote, just because someone has an opinion about you doesn't mean it's right. So just because they didn't think that that thing, that collaboration was going to be worth $500. It doesn't, that was just their opinion. Just just one person and someone else, it might be like, cool, I'll go find someone else then. Or, you know, and so, yeah, so good. Oh, yeah. They always say like, uh, opinions are like butts. Everybody's got one. <laughs> I love, I've never heard that before. I really, yeah. really like that. <laughs> yeah. And then one of my favorites also is, um, you can be the world's juiciest peach and there's still mm. going to be somebody who doesn't like peaches. I love that quote. I have heard that one so good. Yeah, yes. That's like one of my diehard favorites where I'm like, it's so true where I'm like, you could be, and Christian, think about Jesus. Like there are still people, everyone, we all adore Jesus. And there were still people who obviously did not like Jesus. And to me, you know, like you could think of any of the most famous people out there and there are are always going to be haters. So there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree with you, doesn't see your worth, doesn't think whatever about you. There's literally not a single soul on this entire planet that was beloved by everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, There just, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So you're bound to face somebody who doesn't think you're worth it, whatever. And it really is just, I think, a matter of having a quick rebound rate where you're able to be like, you know what? That's okay. You can have your opinion. I can have mine. We're not a good fit to work together right now. Best of luck, maybe later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you said like, we're not a good fit. I know I've got some no's in my business before. And my husband always reminds me like, um, it's just not a good fit. It's no different than a shoe. You put on a shoe and it's like, oh, you grabbed a size six, you're a size eight and a half, Nyla. It's, there's nothing wrong with either of the shoes. It's just wasn't a good fit and that's okay. And so I love, I'm big on analogies. So I love the yes, peach analogy too. and the shoe and like, so good. Yeah. Um, I guess I have one more question before we hop into the rapid fire questions. Um, well, no, actually that is a lot. I have two questions. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, I want you to share more about your, your boss pitch program or or course, but I also would like you, like you have a lot of followers on Instagram. Is it possible? Like, I know you didn't just sign up for Instagram and get all your followers in one day. That was hard work and a lot of collaborations and just like prayer. And like, it was, you know, no one is an overnight, uh, success in one day. Is it possible for people who have not many followers to get paid partnerships or do you find that we, they need to focus on growing their following first? No, you could absolutely get paid partnerships. Um, I kind of like to tell people like, if you have at least a thousand followers, that's a good hmm. starting off point. But really the key, um, especially in today's day and age, cause here's the deal. 
anybody can have a big Instagram following nowadays because there's people that cheat. There's people that buy followers. There's people mm. that go on a reality TV show and, and do have thousands of followers overnight. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you have influence. And I think mm-hmm. the key is that brands want to see that you have influence. And a good way to think of that is it's like, you might, I'm going to put air quotes around this, only have a thousand Instagram followers, but do those thousand Instagram followers care about what you have to say? If you mm-hmm. tell them this shirt is a great shirt, are they going to trust you? Are they going to buy it? Because you said that, um, because that means you have influence and brands mm-hmm. care about that because that means if you tell them, Hey, look at this brand's product, they're also going to pay attention and listen and maybe buy that product. And I also like to think of it too. Like if you start, it's, there's always going to be people who have more followers than you. That's just how this all works. So if you close your eyes and imagine your follower count of people in a room with you and you're in the front of the room in the center of a stage with a microphone, all right, do a, does a thousand people feel like only a thousand people now? Or are you like, holy crap, I'm standing in front of a thousand people. Like this is a big deal. So it's so easy to get caught up in the milestone. I'm like, okay, I'll get it if I have this many followers or when I have this many followers. But like, if you actually think about the followers that you do have and make sure that you are stewarding that following and serving them well and showing mm-hmm. up for them well and influencing them the best that you can now with what you already have. That's I think priority number one, because then you can book brand partnerships off of that. And there's always time and room to grow. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I love, yeah. Pretending you're on a stage or whatever. And it's like, maybe you have 500 followers and it's like, that's a lot now, even though I felt like, Oh, I don't have a thousand. I don't have 10,000. It's like, yeah it really changes the just oh yeah yeah, like aren't some I feel like some some football stadiums are like 2,000 people or something Mm. like that so that might be like a high school football stadium I don't remember if I'd have to I'd have to google that to fact check but like that's a that's a lot like fill a high school football stadium and stand in the middle of it and now you have to talk like okay that makes people go oh yeah that actually is kind of a lot so yeah yeah. it gives you confidence too and be like okay I do have influence and um do you find, I guess I have one more question. Do you find that you pray <laughs> over like which partnerships to, to pitch? Do you incorporate like um, prayer over that sometimes just for discernment or do you just kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. Talk about that a little. I do. I know that not everybody does. Cause obviously that just depends on people's individual faiths, but mm-hmm. I, I definitely do. Um, and I think I'm more so just always trying to pray that the right doors be opened and shut in time. Mm. Um, because if something is not a right, you know, cause it's, I think that so much happens behind the scenes. And then when you're getting contracts that might have exclusivity in them, where you can't work with other brands or just different, there's so many moving pieces that end up impacting what you can and cannot take behind the scenes. So I think for me, I am always praying that the right doors be open at the right times where things just kind of beautifully work together. Mm. Um, so that, cause it's like, if my favorite brand reaches out to me on this day, and then two days from now, their competitor reaches out a brand that I also love, but I can't, I have to say no because of an exclusivity clause, like things like that. I'm always just kind of like, all right, I want this all to work out for good. So just like that it, timing <laughs> happens the way that it's supposed to. Um, I think that that's probably the bigger, the biggest thing for me. Mm-hmm. I like, I like getting like specifics like that, what people pray. Cause we can be like, we just, yeah, I pray over my business and it's like, 
well, what? Like, give me some ideas to steal so that I can start praying. So I like that you're like praying over the timing and that, um, yeah, like open the door. And I'm also, right and time. I think I'm also, it's always like praying that people see my worth too, because mm. honestly, sometimes it just gets tiring. Like if you're, I've been doing this for eight years and I have girlfriends in the same kind of boat and you still have people every single day that tell you you're worth nothing or that tell mm. you you're worth product. And they want you to do hours and hours and hours of work for like a bottle of shampoo. So, and you still have to respond to them with grace and kindness and you can mm -hmm. professionally say no. And you can tell them, listen, that's actually really disrespectful. So thanks, but no thanks, but it still can just kind of wear on your spirit after, mm -hmm. after a while. Cause you're just like, man, will someone please give me a real paycheck for my work? Like that would be great. So I think sometimes too, it's praying that people see your worth and that mm -hmm. the right brands show up and they, they just have done their research and they genuinely see the worth and in, in, in you in terms of what you're creating and see the fit and that they are willing to pay you accordingly, you know, like that's a big one. Um, and yeah, I think that's, that's, yeah, that's one of the biggest ones. <laughs> or even like praying, like, help me have grace for these jerks. Like help me to walk into love, walk in love towards these people. Ooh. <laughs> rude. Cause Ooh, emails can be, even though you can't tell the tone, sometimes it can be like, whoa, that was, that stung. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. love that. <laughs> um, but it's possible to walk in love towards any jerk. It really is with Jesus. Anything's possible. So we can respond with a kind email, even if it was a very like, uh, oh, and honestly, if they're not worthy of your breath, you can still bless and block them. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, like that bless and block them. That's so good. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us about your course? Uh, sure. So you, you hinted at it a bit, but yeah, tell us more details. Yeah. The quick version, I guess, is it's a, a self-paced course. So you can basically, you could do the whole thing in a matter of a couple of hours. So it's not something that you need a ton of time to do. You could do it if you're busy. It basically starts off with a lot of mindset work and getting you in the right headspace to do collaborations. And it kind of starts with all of the prereq the prerequisite information, if you will, for how to do good sponsored content, kind of like a lot of the preliminary stuff. Um, and then walks into the groundwork of prepping the project and prepping the pitch. So how to find contact information for a brand, how to figure out what you should be pitching, um, timing of everything, literally like what days of the week to send emails versus not, um, what brands are the best ones for you to pitch right now versus which ones should maybe be on your dream list for a little bit later and why all of that sort of stuff. And then goes into obviously the pitch itself. So what your pitch should actually say, there's like over 30 different templates for different types of pitches and different types of emails, um, in the course. So what to say. And then what I think is just as important is obviously what we said, politely persisting. So all the information on following up, if you don't hear back, if you hear back, um, not now, maybe later, like basically templates for so many different responses that you might have to send or different kinds of follow-ups to send. Um, and there's a uh, module on negotiation. That's This is an update that's coming out soon, which I'm so pumped about. Um, a whole new module on negotiation and actual strategy behind that. So when you're actually having a conversation with a brand on how much to get paid, what exactly to say so that you get paid what you want and how to price yourself so that your ending point is still what you want and not you just taking some arbitrary pay cut. Um, 
And what else there's, then there's like, I bring in a lot of experts too, because I'm big on the fact that I do not know everything. And there are a lot of really smart people in the world. So we have a contract lawyer that has provided information on how to write a contract, how to read a contract. Um, and she does like quarterly Q and A's in our Facebook group on it. We have a really engaged Facebook group that, um, helps lets people ask questions in real time and get input from me. Um, there's like one cheaters from PR reps on what they look for when they're hiring influencers, uh, literally all sorts of stuff like that. So cool. yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Is it, um, mostly audio lessons or is it video? So they are both it's, they're both they're video, okay. but they're like, um, there's some quick videos of like me talking, but most of it are actual presentations that I put together where you oh, can okay. read it, hear it, see it. There's downloadable spreadsheets, downloadable worksheets, okay. um, the whole nine yards so that you can kind of like follow along in real time, internalize it how, and learn however you like to learn. Um, yeah. It, it literally sounds amazing. So I can <laughs> see why God put that on your heart to do. Cause that that, oh, that's going to bless. And I'm sure it has blessed so many um, entrepreneurs already. So sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, I have, is there anything you wanted to share that you didn't get to share yet? I don't think so. You're covering okay. all the bases. <laughs> yeah. And where can people find you if they want to find you um, online? Where do you hang out the most? Um, I would say Instagram, which okay. is my name at Erica Legenza. It's E-R-I-C-A-L-I-G-E-N-Z-A. Um, or my blog, which is coming up roses, the blog.com. Okay. And I'll put that in the show notes so people can find that really easy. Um, do you have time for a few rapid fire questions here? Yes. Hit him, hit me with them. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. I asked all my guests this, so it's nice to hear different, um, different answers. So, um, number one is what is the best part of entrepreneur life and what is the hardest? Oh, good question. Um, I would say the best, especially for, people like you and I who are threes might be the fact that really the sky's the limit. So for what you're creating, what you're making, what you're doing, who you're impacting, there are no limitations, um, which is awesome. Setting your own schedule is awesome. But I would say also one of the hardest things is the fact that there are no limits <laughs> because for people like, I don't know if you're like this too, but for me as an achiever, I like to feel like I accomplished something. Mm -hmm. And when the metric is completely arbitrary and set by me, it's very hard to like sit and be like, you know what, this is an accomplishment. Um, because it's, you could just set the next benchmark and be trying to go for the next thing. So I would say that's kind of a double-edged sword. And it's also sometimes really hard not having a set paycheck and set whatever that's, that can definitely have seasons of frustration. Um, but also it has, it's a double-edged sword. Like it has pros and cons. So yeah. Dev oh, definitely. Pros and cons for <laughs> sure of entrepreneur life. And sometimes, yeah, the, the pro or the con can be, or like they can be the same thing. Like, uh -huh. it's mm -hmm. a catch 22. <laughs> yeah. Like flexibility. It's awesome. But then flexibility also means like, eh, I'll do that tomorrow. Yeah. You need discipline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, who do you look up to in business and why? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let's see. I think I feel like I have different people I look up to in different fields for different oh, okay. reasons. Um, let's see. There's like, there's a couple of people off the top of my head. One, um, Amanda Francis, she wrote a book called Rich as F. <laughs> it has an expletive in it. Um, but she does a lot with money mindset and she's like a self-made multimillionaire and does a bunch of courses and has a ton of resources all on 
um, basically like rewrite, rewriting the negative money mindsets that you might have from your childhood or just growing up, just what your relationship with money might be, which I think is wild. And she is just very confident as an entrepreneur, which is inspiring. Um, I love, see my bookshelf, I have a lot by Jen Hatmaker. I love Jen Hatmaker as an author and she's kind of like dabbling in entrepreneurial stuff then too. Um, and in business, one of my faves, his name is Adam Grant. He was actually one of my favorite, not one of, he was my favorite uh, professor in college. I was lucky enough to be one of his students. Um, he's a top organizational psychologist and he has written quite a few books at this point, but does a lot now with like Ted talks and does, um, a ton of stuff on LinkedIn for learning, but he just has not necessarily entrepreneurs, entrepreneurship specific, but in terms of advice for business in general, if you're living in corporate America, if you are a manager or a leader and you are in charge of a team, just kind of so much of what his work is um, about surrounds organizational effectiveness, how to really cultivate a positive and a healthy uh, workspace, teamwork, like so many different things in that realm. And he is just honestly brilliant. So um, yeah, he's one of the best. Yeah. Even if they don't specifically like talk to entrepreneur stuff, you can still, you can still like, it still applies. You can be like, absolutely. And be like, Ooh, I could still take that tidbit and apply it here in my small business or for sure, whatever. So totally understand what you're, what you're talking about there. Um, what is something you wish you would have known from day one of running your own uh, business or being an entrepreneur? (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Um, gosh, that it is so, so, so hard, but so, so, so worth it. Hmm. It's not going to happen overnight. It might not ever happen. And you just have to keep going um, prayerfully, mm-hmm. knowing that if you are doing what God has put on your heart to do, then you can't necessarily do it wrong. Um, it just might look different than what you initially envisioned. It might, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. It's like, his business so let him mold it how he wants and it's yeah it's going to be beautiful even if it's different totally um what is the best business advice you've ever been giving and i i know that's such a hard question but like what pops into mind um when i say best business advice ever given Hmm. delegate ah hire a team as quickly as you can and stop trying to do it all yourself Mm mm-hmm (laughs) as a three, did you find that hard? Like, oh, but they might not do it as good as me. Yes. A hundred percent. (laughs) Yes. But get over it and hire well and do it anyway, because gosh, it will save you so much mental, so much stress and so much anxiety. Uh, and you will do it better and you will serve your community better. Not trying to be a one woman or a one man show all the time. If you're no longer meant to be a one man or a one woman show. Hmm. So do you, I think you have like, you've delegated, I think a podcast editor, I think you have, is that correct? I think I have an assistant and she does a whole bunch for me. So she does edit my podcasts for me. Um, and she does, she does a ton of things. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, she's my butt saver. (laughs) She's my butt saver. So you do not regret delegating, even though it was hard. Not at all. Not at all. I couldn't live without her at this point. (laughs) Mm. So good. Um, what is something valuable you learned from making a mistake in business? You can get as specific or vague as you want to answer that question. 
I mean, I think that this just kind of echoes something I mentioned earlier in terms of um, just like stumbling through pitching people the wrong way. Hmm. Uh, like I couldn't, I can't even go back through some of my older emails because then it's just embarrassing. <laughs> but there's just so many times where like you read, and I feel like we all have that where we all have like that, what is it? Second degree or secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> um, when you read something and you're just like, Ooh, younger you, what were you doing? What were you thinking? Like, so, um, yeah, I don't remember the, what was the original question? Cause I feel like something, I valuable, something valuable you learned from making a, a mistake in business. Oh so. yeah. Just like learning how to effectively email people and like professionally build relationships hmm. and gen from a genuine headspace of building relationships and mm. not just from getting what you want or getting paychecks or getting something like truly having a give and take relationship with people and knowing how to do that and build that well, I think is so important and so crucial, honestly, regardless of what field you're in. Um, and so many times I see people just do it wrong. So I think that that's like one of the most valuable lessons. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about being embarrassed, reading your old emails, I'm like picturing like pictures of myself younger and being like, why did I wear that? Like, Ooh, it doesn't even look good together. Just the same kind of idea. You're like, now, you know, though, now you're wiser. So, (laughs) um, yeah, to end, how would you personally define a holy hustler? So someone who dot, 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 someone who, um, let's see, I would say, uh, keeps going while constantly, connecting and reconnecting with God's holy intent and purpose over her life. Mm. Because I think that oftentimes society portrays hustle as one way and it we can become too one track minded and kind of put our blinders on and hustle, hustle, hustle. And it can, if we're not careful and intentional, I think sometimes we can lose sight of what the hustle is for or why we're hustling mm. or maybe we start hustling in an unholy way where we're neglecting ourselves or our family or our faith or other parts of our business or other people. And I think making it a holy hustle is achieving, I hate the word balance, but like achieving balance in it where possible so that it is something that is still moving in pursuit of what we have on our heart, our desires, our ambitions, but making it something that um, our holiest and best selves and who God, I think intended for us all to be would look at and still be proud of and still, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily be looking at it going, Oh, look at all those mistakes along the way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. We hustle with him and for him and just like, yeah, so good. You just, I mean, I can try to sum it up, summarize it up, but you said it beautifully. So, and they heard you. So I don't need to, sometimes I feel like I need to summarize what people say. And it's like in my head halfway through, I'm like, I don't need to summarize it. Like, so anyways, I like that every guest yeah. who comes on has a different definition of that. And I think they're all beautiful and they're all just, um, they're all accurate and I love them. So thank you so much for, uh, coming on today and sharing. I have learned so much. So, um, <laughs> this is a topic I didn't know very much going into. So yeah, thank you for just sharing your expertise. And um, yeah, I hope my audience goes and buys your course because it sounds, it sounds amazing. Will, will it be available like long? Oh yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Cool. I'll put the link in, um, I was going to say link in the bio, um, link in the show notes uh, to, for quick access to get that if everyone is interested in that. So yeah, thanks again. And I thank you. yeah, Yeah. Have a lovely remainder of your day. You too. Nyla, what's a Christian life coach? 
Great question. Well, when a basketball player wants to improve their skills on the court, they hire a basketball coach or a personal trainer. When a child or adult desires to improve their singing voice or musical instrument skills, they hire a voice teacher or a piano or guitar teacher. Certified life coaches like me, we help people get stronger in various life areas that they feel less than confident in currently. As your Christian life coach, I can help you ditch dieting and improve body image from a biblical lens, as well as help you feel better in other areas such as relationships, boundaries, people-pleasing, self-care, comparison, perfectionism, and more. To book an inquiry call, you can go to Instagram and you can DM me at Nutrition with Nyla and say you're interested. It's for free and it's 15 minutes and you can ask me all your questions about possibly hiring me as your Christian life coach. And I do it virtually over the phone so it doesn't even matter if we're not in the same country which is so cool technology is such a gift from the lord